Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome to episode eight of Cow Corner. We're here today to talk about uh, the England-Australia T20 series and we're going to chat a bit of county championship as well. Firstly, of course, I need to welcome everyone on the podcast. Glenn, over in Wyoming, how are you? I'm all right, thank you, mate. We've seen, a, I think it was a 40 degrees change in weather uh, this week. It went from 32 on Sunday to minus 10 on Tuesday and a snowstorm so not great cricketing conditions it's fair to say snow stop play <laughs> with the ball swing in snowy conditions I can't try to work out if that's going to aid aid air movement I reckon you know might catch a bit of frost there's been some mm. frost tampering in the uh, in the Wyoming league here actually there's been a bit of an Ooh. issue with that um but no it is it's absolutely freezing and then we're going to be back up to you know 25 again at the weekend I just can't keep track Standard procedure. Um, <laughs> it's nice and grey here, as always. Uh, Zach, again, our northern correspondent with some dashing headphones for this week's podcast, I must <laughs> say. They're delightful. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, we don't have as much uh, difference in weather in Leeds. It's more, you know, seven, 17 degrees. <laughs> yeah. We might see the sun. But mostly, yeah, it's just grey. Good to have you boys both here. Uh, a lot to get through today. A bit of housekeeping before we start. Uh, the Cow Corner pod- podcast, excuse me. Uh, we'd like to officially launch its FPL League, Fantasy Premier League. Aside from being cricket lovers, we are all football and FPL lovers. Me and Glenn have had a show back in the day uh, oh. on student radio. Those are the days, calling all the, the French footballers farmers and explicit <laughs> things about Gary Lineker. Um, so if you would like to join that league, uh, we will on our Twitter, which is uh, at CalCorner8, which is the appropriate one. here in episode eight. Um, all comes together. Uh, the code will be on there. Uh, join yourselves up the winner uh, will win a hundred shirt uh the hundred shirt how do you say it I, I don't know but um zach you're saying it shouldn't be of the winner's choice it should be of our choice i think it, it could also be random okay yeah, like I, might, I mean it random. might as well be mightn't it 
Random, um, yeah. or your favorite you know crisp or nut selection um either way you will be the proud owner of 100 shirt if you win our fpl league uh probably the only person in the country uh wearing one um, to be proud of it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um get on our twitter cow corner eight give us a follow of course uh, and the code will be there um and some other housekeeping with a bit of news is you know quite big news in the, in the english cricketing world is ian bell and Graham Onions uh, announced their retirement uh, this week. Uh, Ian Bell plays last game against Glamorgan. He got a 50 and then a 90, I think. Um, yeah. So it's funny when players retire and, you know, their quality still. Uh, and Graham Onions, who's playing at Lancashire, I believe, um, hung his boots up this week. Guys, I want to hear your thoughts and memories of, of Bell and Onions, respectively. Glenn first, you know, these guys were England greats back in their day, I'd say. They were, and I don't know if I've told you boys before, actually, but on a very rain-washed-out day at Lords, I can't remember the context for it. I assume it was an England game. I'll have to check my dad. But I bumped into Ian Bell, and I have a lovely photo with him. I was, I think, I'm going to guess about nine years old, and we were the same height, which I loved. <laughs> um, and he was just the most gracious, sweet person. Like, I, you know, I've always admired him. He was one of my cricketing heroes growing up you know the elegance that he played with um he and he held that england team together for so many years and he always went a little bit under undervalued i think he sometimes slipped under the radar as a cricketer and i have massive respect for him i'll dig out that photo uh and try and get it on twitter as well there are cow corners testimonial for ian bell (laughs) and uh onions and you know another player that didn't necessarily get the praise they deserved when they played for England. You know, really consistent, especially in English conditions. I was a big fan of him and seemed like a really, a really nice guy as well. So a shame, a time of transition for the England team. And that's too, at least Ian Bell, I would certainly say, is among, you know, recent England greats. I think um, Onions did some brilliant work for the for the test team too. Yeah, Onions was one of them that kind of couldn't break in past the, the Anderson-Broad partnership. Um, Bell's yeah. cover drives the best in the game, Zach, is it not? Are we going to miss that? I mean, everyone's going to miss that. If any, I think it was Nasser Hussein who said, if any child wants like a lesson in elegant batting, watch Ian Bell. I mean, his cover drive is second to none. I watched a bit of the Somerset-Warwickshire game this year, and he pulled it out a couple of times, but he wasn't in his you know, full-flowing form. But Graham Onions as well, like you said, he was so unlucky to be at the same time as, as um, Broad and Anderson. Taking over 700 first-class wickets is an amazing achievement. And Ian Bell has... 20,000 first class runs which that's a that's a lot of runs outrageous amount of runs and I'll always remember onions for um I think it was Shane Watson then maybe Mike Hussey um in the 2009 Ashes that's just when I started watching cricket so I, I was thinking you know onions and side bottom were playing you know we were in the same England squad and I was wondering what is this sport but I'm, I'm still here now which is great so they're retiring this week uh, congratulations to both of them and and you know great careers from the both Let's get stuck into the uh, England-Australia T20 series, which has just finished. We are recording as well. It is Friday the 11th at 20 past 7 UK. And the, the one day, first one day has started. So any interjections will be <laughs> from that sort of live uh, reaction. England is struggling at the minute, but yeah, you never know. Uh, so let's look at the one, uh, the T20 series, sorry, uh, which started, what seems like a lifetime ago. The first game, England won by two runs. Um, Australia posted, uh, England posted 162 for seven, and Australia fell two runs short, 160 for six, in a quite extraordinary collapse when they were in absolute cruise control. Uh, for England, David Milan, 66, was the top score, and Butler, who was promoted to the top of the order, ahead of Banton with 44. Um, and then the Australia run chase was a fascinating one, very top heavy with Warner. 
58 and Finch 46 uh, dominating the innings before a collapse, which saw the full two runs short. Uh, Marcus Stoinis, who I'm going to come on to later, I quite like, was really struggling to find the middle of the bat, uh, made 23 uh, in effort in vain. Uh, so England win the first one, and they won the second one as well uh, by six wickets this time, slightly more convincing. Uh, Australia's 157 for seven, uh, helped by Finch's 40, and Stoinis's 35. Wasn't enough, uh, and Joss Butler's 77 at the top of the innings was a class act uh, that got England home with a, an over and a ball to spare. Uh, shout again to David Milan with 42. We'll come on to him because he's he's a class act as well. Uh, the third T20 uh, was won by Australia. They went by five wickets. England posted what looked to be a below par, 145 for six. Uh, Bairstow with a scratchy but very useful 55. Uh, and Joe Denley, who, who somehow got himself a game uh, with 29 off 19. Uh, and one of the most amusing overs I've seen in international cricket for a long time, where he edged four, uh, three <laughs> deliveries for four. Uh, so he looks great on the scorecard, but, but not so much. <laughs> um, Australia chased that down with three balls to spare. Uh, a, a close chase again, uh, an enjoyable one. Uh, Mitch Marsh and Ashton Agar, seeing them home pretty comfortably in the end. Um uh, and Wade was opening the batting this time in, in for the rested Warner. Um, we'll come on to the bowlers separately. You know, I'll give shout out to Rashid with that three for 21 in the last game. Um, England win the series 2-1. Um, they were briefly top of the T20 rankings and then uh, Australia took them again. My notes for this, which I like doing just a few bullet points, is Moeen captain, yes, exclamation mark. Uh, Zampa's hair. Uh, Johnny Bairstow's hit wicket was hilarious. Um and that review of uh, basically a middle defensive shot that went upstairs. Um, for me, is a highlight of the summer. We mentioned that before we recorded. Uh, Zach, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, give me your sort of highlights in this series. What did you enjoy? Uh, who did you like? Who did you not like? Well, first of all, my, the first two things I've got noted down are in direct contradiction to things I said last week, which is brilliant. <laughs> I know. Uh, first of all, Butler... To me, he proved he can open the batting. He should open. Not obviously, we knew he can open the batting. He should open the batting for England in the T20s. After last week, I said he should be a finisher. <laughs> and David Milan should also be one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment. He's averaging about 55, and it's you know everyone's always talked about his average, but he's been top class in this series. Um, everyone talks about how he's a slow starter and his strikers, but his strike rates weren't actually that bad this time. He had a 150 in the first game and 130 in the second. He does start slightly slowly, but also Johnny Bairstow started slowly. And in his, I mean, we said it was scratchy, but that, he only had 125 strike rate in that innings. So I think people, it's a bit of a, it seems like maybe a bit of a narrative against David Milan, this idea that he starts slowly, therefore he doesn't really have a place in this team. Yeah, I think I agree with that, actually. He's sort of um, almost not, we don't want him in there almost. So like, he, if he keeps doing this, we have to have him. Um, there must be a way for him to get out. But no, he was amazing. And, I think it was the first T20, forgive me, because they've all kind of blended into one, where he sort of hung around nicely. We've had a six in the ODI. We've had a six in the ODI. Sorry. Um, and sort of held that innings together. And I think at number three, that's the kind of job a T20 batsman needs to do. Uh, and as long as it's above 100, we're all happy. Um, Glenn, your, your thoughts on this series. Um, what stood out for you? Yeah, going to echo Zach there. <laughs> The Butler question, I, you know, we've got to revisit it because it's so important, like, where he plays. So he got 120 runs, two innings, obviously a match-winning high score of 77. 
most impressively, his strike rate was 145, which is ridiculously high over two innings while you're getting runs, right? It's not like he's getting 10 off three. He's just mm. he's doing that for an innings, which is really impressive. And yeah, I, I once again, I'm glad I'm not a selector in the sense that, you know, he's getting such high, high runs opening that it seems silly to drop him down. But I think a major talking point that we've got to look to is Tom Banton really struggling. So he had three games and he got 12 runs, which is abysmal. Uh, and I, I, I still think he's one of the best T20 players in the world. I think he's up there. He's in that top bracket for me. But it's quite apparent that he can only do it when he's opening. And he did have an opportunity as well to do that in the third game, I think. So it was really disappointing to see him not show how good he can be on the international stage with a lot of people watching. It's one thing to do it in the Big Bash when, you know, England selectors will be kind of, you know, on their radar but not watching the games these were matches with lockdown still pretty much that everyone was watching who likes cricket so massive shame sam billings for me yeah was a disappointment oh, yeah only one innings i'm not going to criticize him too much but i would have loved for him to get a lot of runs um and then morgan you know wasn't at his best uh so there was there was you know bits and pieces but i think let's just congratulate josh butler and um, adil rashid because he bowled absolutely beautifully and he cemented his place as one of the best uh, limited over spinners in the game and I really really liked him and he almost rescued the third game for us he just he just has the ability to change a game in an over and you can't ask for much more from a leg spinner yeah totally agree with that and we'll come on to the bowling and I think even in the one day one day that's happening right now Rashid's showing that again he is he is world class can we start with the Banton Butler debate that you both alluded to um I found it really interesting. I think it was it was the first and the second T20 that Butler opened and got big scores in both. He left for the third one to have a rest, basically, and go home for his birthday, which I thought was quite sweet. He deserved it. Um, and Morgan and whoever was interviewed from the England uh, camp was just saying, we want our best batsman, our best T20 batsman facing the most balls. And I think we can all agree on that now. As you said, Zach, you've kind of your point's been contradicted slightly and you know you now know he is an opener and then there's the Banton issue is that he can't bat anywhere else other than an opener we've seen that now I've had enough of him batting at four so what do we do with Tom Banton is he you know we mentioned Onions he was just you know a great player in an even greater era Um, is that the same for Banton perhaps or is he young enough that he can hang around for a bit and one of best, though Butler and Roy will retire or get dropped or be too old. You know, what are your thoughts on the Banton thing, Zach? Where do you think he can fit into this team now? I mean, with regard to him being to him being you know young enough. I mean, the, the one thing I was looking, I was literally looking up all of the England players' ages when I was preparing my World Cup squads that we're going to come on to later, um, and all of them are around thirty. So Banton should you know, mm. have, because he's only 21, he's younger than all of us here, um, he should have a lot of time on his own where he's, you know, he's the man. But also, I think at the moment, at the moment for me, he doesn't make the team. And I love Tom Banton as a Somerset mm. fan, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't think he makes the team because although Bairstow's form's been iffy, he, he's got such a good record in the IPL. And I mean, the IPL is going to be so important for all of these players coming up in the next couple of weeks, seeing how they do in the conditions that are going to be that T20 World Cup. Yeah, that's a really good point, Zach. I love the IPL. Um, 
comparison there and the option for selectors to really watch that closely because as you said conditions are going to be very similar um in that in that t20 world cup coming up um yeah for me i'm going to agree with zach i just don't think this was banton's opportunity and it's a real shame when someone is given a series right it wasn't one game like for example billings i'm not judging anything off one innings like he was giving a he was given a whole series he was given opportunities, you know, around, and we know like, the, the main issue is the opening, is the opening position. But he just, he just didn't convince us. It was just a massive shame because that was, that was his chance. I feel like in the short term, we're going to get more chances. But I feel like, as we mentioned, with everybody kind of tuning in, it was an opportunity to make his stamp, and he didn't. And yeah, I think at the minute we still got a debate whether who's opening out of Butler, Roy, Best. That's another micro debate within this one. If we're going to bench Banton for the minute, which I think we're probably all three, sadly, on agreement with. And as Zach said, that's from two diehard Somerset fans. It's tough to it's tough to say that. Uh, Dan, who, who who's opening for you out of those three? Are you dropping one of the, are you saying Best O three? Are you who are you opening up with? If I was to, to pick two now to open up with, um, it's Best, Owen Butler, um, with Roy not in the team. It's hard to say that because of how good his record is, obviously. He looks really out of nick at the minute. He's just not played enough cricket. This this is me going on how I see him at the minute. Mm-hmm. And he's, well, he's played one innings, which wasn't even in the T20s. But Besto finds a way to make runs if he's out of nick and is explosive when he's in nick. So I, I like him there most of the time. And then Butler's the first name on the team sheet. So he's there for me if I picked right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I think Roy needs to play himself back into form. He's been really unlucky with injuries and the fact that he played those he played those island games or he did um I don't even think he played all of those island games. I I can't quite remember, but uh, but obviously he was he was injured for the Pakistan series, injured for the T twenty series, and for him to get back into this T twenty team he needs he needs to play himself back into form. He needs he needs to play some T20 cricket. Uh, he is one of the people who's going to the IPL. I think it might be one of his it might be his first time going as well. So we're really interested to see how he does. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so yeah, I think we need to see more cricket from Roy. Just pushing us slightly down the order. Um, Dawid Milan. I you know I was preaching about him in the last episode. Um, I thankfully he backed me up with some with some strong performances. He is now the number one T20 batsman. He overtook Babar Azam at the end of this series, which is seems a bit ridiculous, but you know, yeah. the ratings are what they are. So he got 129 runs in this series, an average of 43, very healthy strike rate of 138 and a very tidy high score of 66. Zach mentioned that these slow starts, you know, are becoming less of an issue as we as we progress with him in the England team. Um, I think he's one of the first names on the sheet for me. Uh, what do you both think? Yeah, same again. I think uh, Butler at one, Milan at three, Morgan at four are locked in for the foreseeable. Um, I'm amazed with David Milan. He's just such a good ball striker. He's not oh, a, good. He's not a thrasher. He's a pretty classical batsman. He just strokes the ball to the boundary. And, you know, those slow starts are fine when his end of inning strike rate is where it is at the minute. Um, I find average an annoying stat in T20 cricket um, because at three, maybe it does. But, you know, if you're coming in and batting for an over or two, yeah. your average is going to be up there. That obviously helps that his average is there. It's that strike rate that's more important. And he is that rock. And if we lose an early one, um, I, I'm happy to see him come in because he can. You've got great defence, and if we don't lose an early one, maybe he can drop down the order and we can be flexible with that. Um, but I'd happily have him in, you know, even for a, a, a real quick thrash. Um, yeah, I was just really impressed with him. Uh, 
he was sort of in the team because of that 100 he scored in New Zealand and he was just in good nick. And this little series here has just proved to me that he's in it for the long run. Yeah, I saw an interesting stat about um, Darren Milan. It was some, I, I can't remember the exact figures, but it was like it was a stat that was uh, adding your strike rate onto your average in T20 cricket. And it was like minimum. It was like uh, having having faced it was like, I think it was having faced a minimum of balls or having scored a minimum of mm. 100 runs or something. And he was top in the world in that. I mean, he is he was he was above Babar Azam. In that, that, I mean, he is obviously rated as the best batsman in the world. So that's an old thing Sky Cricket used to use on their domestic T20 coverage. They used, to, you know, uh, way back in the day, they'd have like all oh, your favourite album and your favourite dog breed or whatever, and they moved on. You know, maybe four or five years ago to like that strike rate average combined score is like a oh they called it something daft, but that is yeah, that's why I can't remember. It was What's a funny. Cool? Name I'll for give it. it a Google while we're chatting, but um, it was it's an incredibly useful stat because even if that average is low which for some, you know, a, a batsman coming at five or six, it probably is. Um, and that strike rate's high. You, you can kind of see everyone on a level playing field for how they perform in a T20 game. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah, just moving down the order a little bit, I mentioned earlier that Owen Morgan, you know, he, he's still one of the best in the world. He's an outstanding captain. But with the bat, wasn't, you know, nothing to write home about with a high score of seven and only 12 runs, but, you know, it is what it is in that sense. Moeen Ali, I think, is a talking point we're, we're, we're kind of all keen to jump in on. Uh, Zach, I'll go to you first. What what are you thinking with him? So he looked sharp again. You know, he looks exciting again. He just bowled a full 10 overs in the ODI, which is happening right now. So he's mm. becoming that rounded player that we love so much. And as you as you mentioned, he um, he captained England. Uh, on that third game, which we which we all I think really appreciated. Zach, what, is he is he in the team for you? Is he is he on that team sheet? Um, yeah, I mean I think first of all I like to say it's an amazing thing for he's the first Muslims captain England in um, white ball cricket, so that's a that's a massive thing, and I think that's so it's so important uh, for all parts of society to have role models in in cricket. Um, but yeah, I think for me at the moment. I mean, you said he bowled 10 overs. I mean, I'm sure we'll come onto this in another podcast, but he didn't exactly bowl well, didn't take a wicket. It doesn't seem like he can buy a wicket at the moment. Mm. Although he did he did take a wicket in the Pakistan series, but that's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> probably I'm clutching his straws a little bit there. Uh, for me, he still makes the team. I think when he was captain, he looked so much more assured with the bat. I thought he looked so much more confident. Like, like okay, like he was playing for Worcestershire again when he looks like he's the best player in the world. Yes, yes. And, and he bowled, he bowled one over for five runs, and he should have bowled himself more, I think, yep. because him and Rashid were bowled, well, both bowled, well, he only bowled one over, but Rashid bowled really well, and it seemed like taking pace off was working and properly um, limiting the Australian batsman. What's he doing in the team if if not bowling? Because I don't, for me, his batting isn't quite there enough to have him as just a batsman, especially coming in at five. I think we've got better options there. I don't know what you think about that, guys. About is he just a batsman in the T20 format? It's it's a strange one. They they did that thing whereby like he bowls the first over of an innings and then doesn't come back, which is kind of peculiar. Goes for nine runs and doesn't come back. I have got to agree with both of you. I honestly think there was a it was you know it was a one in a hundred, but I thought there was a real chance we could have actually won that final game if we had stuck with spin. Yeah. We absolutely constricted them, and that you know. Um, Australia's middle um, order once again fell apart. That incredible um, three-wicket spell from Rashid really just halted their progress. And then suddenly you've got Mitchell Marsh coming in, who's obviously a very experienced player, likes a bit of pace on the ball. 
I agree. I would have kept with Moeen. And as Zach said, the fact that he, and both of you said, the fact that he didn't have confidence in himself, does that mean that he took himself off? The fact that he gave Denley the ball over himself, does that speak to this lack of confidence with um, with his bowling you know, rhythm maybe? But it was a real shame because the second the quicks came on, and I don't think they bowled badly, the game was gone. So, yeah, Izzy, I think T20, it really helps to have two spinners that you're confident you can get, you know, more than one over out of. We've got Rashid nailed on. Who is our second spinner? You know, in a World Cup, probably not Danley. It, <laughs> it, it should be Moeen. And I think we've, we've, we're going to have to learn more about this, probably with the ODI series, because he needs to get into Nick again, because I think we need his bowling. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think the with a World Cup in India, a spinning all-rounder is just... Yeah. Priceless. It's just so valuable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know I keep harping on about the IPL, but he's another player who <laughs> he's he's got a pretty good IPL record. He often bats at three for RCB coming in ahead of AB de Villiers. So, I mean, I obviously I don't want him to bat at three for England, but he does usually bat even higher than we're batting him at five. Do you think that's it then, that he sort of shaped his T20 role um, in the sort of franchise cricket around the world as just a batsman? Um, isn't good enough to get into that England top three or four. And so they slot him in at five because that's the next best position for him. And he just doesn't feel like he can be as important in a four over spell. I find it interesting that I think he'd be more useful in a four over spell than a 10 over spell or 10 over allotment. And yet as usual, 10 today um, in the ODI, which it's just, it perplexes me. If he's not from his bowling, he should be bowling a couple, three or four, as opposed to 10. So is he, is he confident in his bowling? But he's just he's just bidding that off in T20s now. And he's a batsman and he sees himself like that. I, th- I think today with the selection was down to the, the lack of Stokes that meant he would have had to bowl the 10 overs. But okay. with, the, with, with the T20 side we're picking at the moment, we can get away with not having him bowling those four overs. You know, because we have, especially if Stokes comes back into the team, we've got seven bowlers in there. But, well, seven people who can bowl. Mm-hmm. That is true. And maybe if he's, his batting is that good and his confidence isn't isn't quite there, we'll just leave him to it. I feel like England really look after Moeen and he's a really important guy to have around the squad for whatever reason that we, we're obviously not privy to because we're not part of that squad. But giving him the captaincy as well was great um, to see. That should hopefully help him just feel a really big part of this squad. Um, we've now sort of come on to the bowling. I think we're happy with that top four or five batting. Let's talk about the England bowling. Glenn, you mentioned this in your sort of summary Rashid, you know, how good is he? And on a real slow wicket for that third T20, because all, all the games are playing the same pitch, he nearly got us back into that, didn't he? Yeah, and yeah, Wisdom said that he was in the running with Joss Butler for player of the series. And I think that's yeah. absolutely um, yeah. valid. Uh, you know, he's got six wickets, so he was our leading wicket taker for the series. Um, what, what I love is that his economy isn't particularly bad. His economy is 6.25, which is lower than the vast majority of our quicks. You look at um, Archer, you know, economy rate of eight. Uh, Mark Wood, 7.8. So not only does he take wickets, he doesn't go for many runs. And we've all seen T20 players, um, especially leg spinners, get absolutely smacked around the park. So he has this really nice balance. And I think we'll get onto the Aussie squad um, in a few minutes. But it'd be really interesting to, for both of you to compare him to Zampha, who I think is a very similar kind of player. But I think Rashid really is just that step up. I was impressed by Zampha, but I just think Rashid has that touch of class. And isn't he consistent? How often do we see him bowl a bad spell? Not, not very much at all. So he was a standout for me. Looking at the pace... No one really jumped out. So Wood got three wickets, Archer got three wickets, Jordan got two, Curran got one. 
So really, much of a muchness, I would say that Wood and Archer were bowling very quickly. Um, Wood was really hitting um, hitting those 90s, and he he's impressed me. Mark Wood was probably my standout quick, um, just because he isn't as used to being, you know, playing as much cricket as, um, as say, Rashid or, or Archer. But maybe, Zag, what, what do you think about the quicks? Did anyone stand out for you? Yeah, I mean, I kept writing in my notes that they were either starting well or starting badly and coming back, because, like, in the first game... Both Archer and Wood got a bit of tap early on, but both came back and Wood beat Carey for pace with a with a brilliant ball. And then Joffre bowled Joffre bowled very well in in, in parts of the, especially in the second game. Both of them were bowling. Oh wow! I mean, the oh Jesus we heard on the stump mic from David Warner that, that 95 <laughs> mile an hour ball. Oh, Joffre Archer bowling then that was that was some amazing fast bowling. Both of them. Um, his first two overs. Joffre Archer's first two overs in that. In that game went for eight went for eight runs and in that was a six from Finch there was a fantastic six other than that he went for two singles across two overs in a T20 game so it's amazing but I mean yeah no one other than that amazing bit of a performance from Joffrey he kind of still bowled like he bowled he bowled a poor um final over in the in the second game again like uh, that kind of it seemed like for me it, it got them to that 150 mark that at that time, because it was a slow pitch, I was like, this could be a difficult chase. And I was like, this is, you know, he kind of let it go again. But there's been so many games where I've written down really good start, not that good a finish. So it's kind of just getting that consistency. I think one interesting uh, thing is, as Dan alluded to last week, is Chris Jordan is a gem. We need yeah. to keep him. We need to keep him as long as possible. He bowled that penultimate over in the first game. It went for four runs in the penultimate over when they when they were they weren't chasing that much. And it, it basically won us the game because it meant they had to get 15 off the last over. Yeah. He also took the important wickets of Finch and Maxwell in the second game. So a vital player for England. Yeah, he's absolutely priceless. And he's he's at his 50th and the rest T20 internationals now. So I expect that to go on for a lot longer the way the way he plays. And he, he plays such little cricket for England that I think he can really commit to the international T20 scene and uh, enjoy it and perform at his best and then go and hone his skills in, in the franchise cricket and for Sussex. Um, oh, Lots of points of the pace bowling that I, I like that you both made. It was great to see Archer and Wood back bowling really quick. And that really, I, I'm going to contradict myself, that really, really annoyed me in the first t- uh, 2020 because all the batsmen had to do was get a bat anywhere near it and it had gone. And I'm just thinking, oh, geez, it's not, we're not ready for that. We don't need that on this pitch. And then you see them opening the bowling in the second T20 and they were unplayable. And we had them three for two, um, you know, a couple of genuine nicks, just classic nicks to get them out. And the pace on the ball is lethal. But then if bowled in the wrong area, you know, especially on the hip of um, Finch and outside off to Warner, it just goes really quickly. But it was great to see the bowling so quick. And it's made me reassess Archer in the test um, arena because we know he could bowl that quick. But I don't want him bowling that quick playing tests. It's not possible on the human body. So that's that's a debate for a different podcast, though, him in the, in the test arena. But it's good to see them both bowling quick. Yeah, for me, the standouts in the pace department with the change bowlers was Jordan and Curran. And I had a go at him last week for being a bit of a poser, which he still is. <laughs> it's not changed the week, has it? But I thought, you know, when the pace, the real pace on the ball was going for a bit in that first T20, they kind of calmed it down a little bit. And Curran, especially out of this pace bowling attack we've got, is the one with the most variation. And on that tacky third T20 wicket, where pace off the ball and variation was the key, 
his variations really worked. And I, I was actually really impressed with him. And that's why I think he's such an asset to this team in this balanced attack is that Jordan's great at the death with his Yorkers and his change-ups. Wood and Archer for the genuine pace. And then Curran, if necessary, is there for the slower balls, the variation, um, and to be a bit more deceptive. Um, so, yeah, actually, for me, Curran was the standout bowler for this series. Um, a real change of tune from last week. Interesting. So he only got one wicket over the series. and he still got a standout, Dan? Yeah, I just... Uh, maybe it's just all I can remember is the third T20, but, uh, which we nearly won. And he just seemed like the guy to to really cramp up the batsmen, stop them from scoring too much. And yeah, the wicket-taking thing was an issue, wasn't it, again? Especially in that first T20, we'd spoken in the Pakistan review about how they couldn't get wickets. And Australia were 80 for none, 90 for none before that yeah. miraculous collapse. Um, so if you hadn't performed that well in the third, maybe I'd have said the same. But what do we think, by the way, guys, about that? It's it's been really tough, I think. Um, yeah, we we need we need early wickets, um, but at the same time, I think we got to bowl well at the death. And I think Curran in that first game did exceptionally. Like I think it was a match-winning final over. You know, Jordan did the business beforehand, and they're such a nice team. You know, as you said, Curran with his variations, Jordan with the Yorkers. I think you're spot on with the analysis there, Dan. And we have raw pace. I mean, you're looking at Wood and Archer hitting 90s. Yeah, early wickets is an issue. Uh, maybe we could change up the Moeen experiment. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. As the first. I don't really see the point right now. Like, obviously you got the one wicket in the Pakistan series that's discussed, but I just we want wickets in the first two three overs and really put the opposition on the back foot. Whereas it feels like we kind of give them a, we give them a freebie, we give them a free eight runs with the Moeen over that settles them in. Mm-hmm. I think I you know obviously I'm not a particularly good cricketer, but I think I would prefer to see Moe. No disrespect to him, I think I prefer to see him first up than perhaps Joffrey Archer or Mark Wood hitting 94 at my head. I feel like you just kind of hit it in. Opening with Rashid, on the other hand, I wouldn't mind. Uh, you know, a first over of leg spin. I think that might be really difficult, but I think yeah, I would potentially change that up. I think that might help uh, unsettle the batsman early doors as opposed to giving them six balls to settle in. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I do agree, but I also do think that Rashid is so good in the middle overs that mm-hmm. we almost shouldn't mess with that. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think it should be something we should look at and depend on the teams. Like last year in the World Cup, uh, South Africa targeted Bairstow, knowing that he's not very good at starting with spin, and Tahir got him out in the first over. So I think it's something we could look at for different for certain teams if they if if their openers struggle against spin like a lot of openers do like Tom Banton sometimes does um, that we should bring on Rashid because Moeen I mean he's not that attacking wicket taking option at the moment is he but I I think I've written in my notes here that he we need we need to stop hiding his bowling and giving him one over I know yeah. we've, we've spoken about Moeen but I just think he's never going to bowl well. He's never going to come back into form with the ball if he bowls one over in a T20 game. Yeah. That's, he's never going to come back into form like that. That's, you don't come back into form bowling one over. He needs, to be, he needs to be trusted more. And I think these, although they're, you know, they're bilateral series, we care about them, but they are for finding out about what we're going to do in the World Cup. And we can't have a spinner in our team who only bowls one over. Yeah, I got to agree with that. And I think, yeah, let's back him. Let's trust him. And, you know, bowl him in the middle overs, give him a spell and see what happens. I I, I completely agree. Um, Dan, any more thoughts or do you want to move to Australia? Uh, one more thought, and we can uh, we can come on to this maybe more um, when we chat about what squad we take to the World Cup, is are there any other spinners um, that we could bring in? I mean, Parkinson maybe, he's had a couple, but 
got some tap in New Zealand. I, I can't think of anyone else on the county scene that could come and replace Moeen. Um, but I, I do agree that we need more overs out of our spinners. I've got some interesting left field picks that I, I can bring up when we talk about the oh, squads. Hold, hold it for later. Hold it for later. But let's come <laughs> um, up one, one, one more point. Um, we haven't mentioned how shocking our fielding was in the oh, final T20. Good shout. Yeah, I thought good, it would, yeah I've just, that Bairstow drop, what was he doing? <laughs> Dreadful. Would oh. Butler have dropped it? Uh, uh, no, of course not. He's our um, And it was, I mean, it didn't cost us that dearly. Finch was on 27 when he dropped him and he only went on to make 39. But that those 12 runs, they would have been the difference in the game. It set the and, tone. For, it like, set the tone. The dodgy throws and everyone got to, it does yeah. catch like wildfire a bit a bad bit of fielding and you could tell and I mean the, what lost of the game was not enough runs on the board but we were nearly there weren't we in some better fielding. I agree Milan. and yeah was it Milan sorry Zach yeah was it Milan at yeah. slip who dropped two in a row was yeah. that correct? Milan dropped, Mar- Milan dropped Marsh twice once off Denley as well. Yeah, oh, right oh, Denley was bowling. Denley had it on a string man. He was he was awesome. <sighs> He was great, and they they were tough chances. But if you have one, and if one of them goes down, you catch the other. We're not talking about it much. But if you're the only slip against a spinner in T20, if it goes anywhere near you, you've got to you got to do better. And it was a shame. One of them, he almost juggled it. It kind of bounced off him, and yeah. he was laying down. And I thought he was going to recover it, and it was really he sad. Got it between, he nearly got it between his legs, I think. Exactly. And no one actually went up, and then they went back onto Snicko, which showed he nicked it, and they probably reviewed it if he caught it. Um, but yeah, that was a shame to see. And I, I think I've seen the BBC text today in the ODI saying that if England are to improve anywhere, obviously we're world champions. But if they can just tighten up that fielding a little bit, um, it would help. Because the Australians, and we're coming to them now, have fielded fantastically throughout this series, I thought, especially for a team who haven't played any cricket for ages. And I, I, I appreciated them not mentioning that too much in you know the post-matches. I don't think they, they lent on that too hard on, on the losses. Before we come into Australia, let's Let's have a quick live reaction. Um, as we're recording now, the one day sits at 158 for four. I've got. Oh, another I mean, four. 162. Billings has just hit. Has just hit Stark. Yeah. A beautiful uh, front foot straight drive, straight back past the bowler. So 137 off 16 overs. Are we getting that, boys? Are we going to predict the future? We can come back next week and say how great we were at predicting this game, Glens. Oh, I think it's a really tough one. If, uh, you know, it's this classic caveat, but if Bairstow's there at the end, yes. <laughs> um, I think it's on an app. I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's ironic that we, I, I can't be watch it and, fo- and focus on this because it's it's really, really tight. And yeah, if Billings gets his 50 and we bat deep, we bat really deep. So yeah. there's a chance. There's a really good chance here. I mean, I said to I said to Dan off air, this is Moeen's chance, really, isn't it? <laughs> like, this is Moeen's time. It is. Moeen's going to come in, smack 50 off the last 20 balls and win us the game. Oh, that could be huge. Could be caught. No, it's huge. Uh, Bairstow's just hit a massive six. Oh, man. Uh, there I, you go. I think I might say this on air, or at least I'd definitely say to Zach off air, is that um, this game's done. I think I said it on air. <laughs> I was like, I was sat there before we recorded, just depressed at like 60 for four off nearly 20 overs. I was like, right, thank you. Good night. Best I was plinking it. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to say we win as well. And we'll reflect on that next week. Let's hope so. I'll keep the BBC up in front of me. Um, anyway, back to um, the past um, and the T20 series. Australia... Uh, have come over, not played for a long time, um, and looked all right. First, my first question is, how did they not win that first T20? Um, that was a shambles, really. 
sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Um, a bit of arrogance, and I'm not saying that just because it's Australia. Yeah. But during the first game, they were all grinning. Steve Smith's smug little face was sat in the <laughs> dressing room looking all cheery. And, you know, they came out and they played lazy, um, silly shots. Um, I think Warner had a shocker. Um, you know, he obviously, he, you know, he batted well until that point, but he he um, dropped the ball. Steve Smith looked a shadow of himself um, throughout the series, didn't look in form whatsoever. You know, even a year, you know, it's, it's always hard to tell with the band, but when he was in peak form, you'd have expected him to come and knock those runs off in a, in a heartbeat, turn off the TV. He comes in and he just looked really slow. And although it is you know, slow in the sense that it wasn't his strike rate, but he just didn't look convincing that he would stay at the crease. So um, he didn't really bat for very long. A lot of disappointments for me. I mean, the only standouts, Ashton Agar looked pretty good. Um, he was doing quite a bit with the ball and the bat. Um, he got, you know, five wickets, which is a pretty decent haul. Zampa took some stick, unfortunately. Kane Richardson, especially in the opening game, looked very impressive. Yeah, they were the stand, and Aaron Finch doing Aaron Finch things and just smacking it all over the shop because he's exceptional in that regard. And then you get to the disappointments, like Alex Carey had an absolute nightmare. Maxwell just, you know, again, just was Maxwell and hoofed it a couple of times, then left the crease. Um, yeah, and then even Pat Cummings only got one wicket, so not much to write home about. And I think they're in a transition as well. I don't think they know their best team at the minute, Australia. Yeah, I've I've noted that down that it's really nice to see a team that knows their best team less than England yes. does. Yes, quite, quite 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 a lot of this because like that, that opening pair since 2019 they've averaged 80 opening together in 2020s which is it's, a, it's, a, it's unbelievable in 10 2020s they've hit 300 stands which is almost unheard of but in that first t20 it was the it was the highest opening stand it was, it was the second highest opening stand that didn't go on to win the game and the only other one was ireland when they were chasing 270 against afghanistan so you know understandable that they didn't win that but it's, I think it's something that's, that's that's been a bit of a problem for Australia. Against South Africa in March, they played a couple of T20s. The same thing happened. Finch and Warner go out, give them an amazing start. And the middle order don't do it. I mean, it was really, really nice to see Smith struggle. After yes. after last summer, just, you know, he, we couldn't get him out. And now seeing him struggle was just brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, and the the owl Jesus that you mentioned, that was awful, from Warner when he got cut inside out by um, Archer is always great to see. Um, that opening partnership is lethal, isn't it? And I feel like Warner's so good um, outside his off stump. Finch has got a great cut and a great sort of shovel off his hip. I like doing this at three in the third T20. I can't remember the circumstances into why he was there. Was that them testing it out or there was an injury? They dropped Smith, didn't they? I just don't think they knew what what was going on, to be fair, because you got, you know, Alex Carey coming in out of the side. And did he, oh, you know, he was what? batting high up, oh. batting low down. No one knows. And, uh, you know, Wade is probably a better batsman keeper. Zach? Um, well, I think I think the idea with Carey was that um, Warner had got out and they liked the left hand, right hand, which which obviously their opening partnership's amazing. Mm. And I think part of it is the left hand, right hand. So I think Warner got out really early and they want to try out Carey because Carey has batted as high as three, I think because he played for Sussex last year and was really, really good. And quite a lot of that, he was batting when I mean, he was batting higher than six and was like, his strike rate was amazing, but he really hasn't proved to me this in, in this series, anything. He was unlucky. I think to get that spell from Archer and Woods when he was trying to get himself in, but he, he provides a lot more. He'll be around the team for a long time. I think 
the little Wade Archer um, scrap continued when he opened in the third T20, which I liked. They they don't like each other too much. Well, <laughs> I was going to say that. But they, they, um, did, they, they did play together in uh, Hobart Hurricanes, and I thought they kind of, you know, he just kind of knew, he knew how Archer bowled. That was why he kind of went for him. Oh, do you reckon it was just a bit about, but I just remember in the, the, the Ashes last year that I think Archer didn't move for Wade, and Wade's a bit of a wee man, so I think he's a bit, you know, an angry guy by the look of it. So I do like that, <laughs> that sort of battle. Bairstow's <laughs> out, Bairstow's out. Oh, no. That's Glenn's prediction uh, that's, of Bairstow's there, so... That's game well, over for me. Moeen, cheer us up. Um, who we got in? Moeen, right? Must be Moeen. Yeah, I it'll think be Moeen next. Moeen's, yeah. Cool. Well, this is this is now Zach's prediction of it's Moeen's game. So we lose one, we win another. <laughs> uh, any um, any other takeaways from Australia? Uh, maybe yeah, Zach. I mean, I think it's just interesting that I, I feel like we didn't learn very much from this Australia team. We often talk about what we've learned from a series. I mean, what we've learned from this series is. Finch and Warner are good batsmen. Mitchell Stark's a good bowler. I mean, these are things we've known <laughs> for years. Like, they're fantastic cricketers, and they, they proved that. Kane uh, Richardson, you mentioned briefly. I really liked him. I think he's going to be a really important player for them at the death. His yeah. change-ups, his slower balls, I thought he was fantastic. And Pat Cummins, you mentioned that he wasn't... I mean, but he is an amazing bowler, but he's not He's not an amazing T20 bowler. He's an, ama- like, he's an amazing all-round bowler. But he isn't. I don't think he's the death bowler that they need. I think Mitchell Stark and Kane Richardson are so good for them. I think Hazelwood's the same. He played the third T20, and Warren, Shane Warren was on commentary saying he doesn't really like him as a T20 because you, you kind of know what's coming from Hazelwood, um, and he's not a death bowler. So Finch had to use him, you know, at the start and in the middle, which I don't think is ideal, um, really. So I don't think his place is is going to be there for much longer. Uh, Adam Zampa, I expected a lot more. Don't know what you guys think about him. I, I still like him. Um, he-, he was useful today in the one-day game. and I don't think he's as deceptive as Rashid is. He's a little bit flatter, a little bit quicker. Um, but he doesn't bat at all, really. So, great haircut, though, given that. <laughs> he is funny. Yeah, he took some stick. You know, he got his three wickets. But Wisdom gave him 2.5 out of 10 in their ratings Whoa. for the series, which I think is a bit harsh. I, w- I wouldn't say that. Give but at least three. His economy rate was ten, so that's yeah. pretty pretty I, hard going. I think he got I think he got done by his captain um, twice. He bowled him when he shouldn't have um, in the nineteenth over the second T twenty, and I think at the same sort of point in the first where he needed a pace bowler on, he needed Richardson on, and those the three overs before I imagine he was going for still seven or eight, but I think he got done by Finch there twice. Yeah, yeah I think that's a really good that. point. Yeah, I I did I did dislike Zampa until I watched the the test, yes, the yes. Aussie cricket documentary, and he seems like a great bloke. He makes coffee for mate. everyone. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. I want to try a bit of Adam Zampa's coffee because it sounds amazing. <laughs> he is funny. Yeah, we we all like him, but um and if anyone wants to read some more about him there's a lovely profile of him in BBC Cricket, which they released a couple of days ago, which is a good read on Adam Zampa. <laughs> Shall we then look at our T20 World Cup squads. Who who are we taking? We've had um, six T20s now in the past, you know, what, a day or so by the feel of it. Um, and I think we've got a nice little idea of what this World Cup squad um, for 2021, if it goes ahead, might look like. Zach, you know, for me, it's it's pretty much the squad that played um, these three, but with a few additions uh, that are a bit more out there. What about you? Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll run through my squad. It's... Um... Well, I've kind of named a first eleven, but that's 
we're, we're not doing that. So I, I've named, I'm going to name 15 names, but the first 11 are kind of the, you know, but that's all up for debate. Okay. So okay. Butler, Bairstow, Milan, Morgan, Stokes, Moeen, Tom Curran, Jordan, Archer, Rashid, Wood, and then Roy, Banton, Willie, and Parkinson. But the Willie has a slash with Pat Brown if he refines we seem yeah. to lost. He, he was an amazing player two years ago in the Blast. Basically won it single-handedly for Worcestershire. But um, he's completely lost it now. Got hit for 57 in four overs against Gloucestershire not that long ago. And to keep a mood if he develops. And then the final one, Matt Parkinson. Or if not, another spinner is needed. Because we need a spare spinner with well yeah. with Sheed's injury woes and Moeen's, you know, form. Uh, I like that. I have... I have David Willey as well. Um, he travels. Um, again, probably wouldn't get a game. I didn't I didn't put a third spinner in there, but I after our chat now, pretty much, I, I agree that we need one. We have to find one from somewhere. At the minute, it would be Parkinson because he's the only one who's played recently. Maybe we find another one coming out of T20, uh, the county game. On Pat Brown, I watched Somerset Worcestershire maybe some point a few days ago. It's all blended into one. Um, <laughs> and they had a, a meltdown, basically, the Worcestershire bowlers, Pat Brown included. Couldn't hit the strip for a couple. He got no ball for not hitting the strip, which was amazing. Gosh. So he, he didn't get in my squad, but he's definitely a thought. Um, I've got Phil Salt, uh, Sussex lad. Mm, yes. Um, that's a bit yes, past yes, yes. from my point of view. Um, he has a hundred in a, a warm-up game in an ODI, I think it was, off 66 balls. He's a, he's a, he's a great opening batsman, but... As we have discussed at length, there's no room. Get him out there in case Besto and Roy both do hamstrings. Um, I've forgotten about Stokes, <laughs> so I had to put him toward the end. I, I've Joe Root's on the plane. I've been winced at. No? I mean, I, I just think there's only I've only got space for two spare batsmen, and that's Roy is one of those spare batsmen yeah. and Banton. So Roy and Banton get in there well. above Root. I have got I 17 down here. Oh, you've got a 17. I snuck them oh, in. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. Two, I dropped Root and Salt. And then I've got Willie, Banton, Roy, the same squad, mate. Yeah, there's not there's depth within 15. I don't think there's depth outside of that, really. But maybe that's because we haven't seen enough people. Mahmood travels for me as well. And that first 11 you mentioned, Zach, I, I really liked. I really like. I'd go with that too. Um, Glenn, any, any other names that, you know... You can pull yes. out from county cricket. Anyone we um, not mentioned? First of all, you both forgot Joe Denley, which I think is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit disappointed about that. Um, I I love Phil Soul. I think Dan, am I correct in saying we saw him spank a huge score last summer? Yes. Um, after uh, a couple of years. Uh, who are they playing? Oh dear. I think Essex. Was it the Essex boys? Uh, it was either Essex or hampshire i'm just gonna name all the southern counties oh, i could i'm pretty obnoxious not fans el Coast. it wasn't el Coast, was it no, it wasn't el Coast. i remembered that um i think it was essex i think it was essex too we'll go for essex but he was unbelievable huge score um i love him and his last his last four scores in t20 in the in the cup this year have been 40 27 7 and 33 so what i like about t20 um obviously they set 30 sometimes as the benchmark instead of 50 yeah. which i quite like for batsmen I think that's quite oh zach doesn't like it i quite like it <laughs> i don't know but like it's like the next thing are we going to be raising our bat when we get to 30 in a, in a game like yeah look, I, 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 hit, I hit one the other day then got run out and i was 
buzzing. <laughs> All right, well, bench the 30s. Okay, he hasn't got a 50. Sorry, sorry, Phil. Um, I thought he was a bit older as well, actually. Um, he was born 1996, so only a couple. Oh, couple wow. Of, um, he yeah, sounds he's old, isn't he? Phil yeah, Salt sounds like he's 30. I thought he was late 20s, but no, he's only 24. Um, you know, he's played for, you know, he's played for uh, Adelaide, Barbados. He's really decent in T20. He's got experience around mm-hmm. a few other competitions. And I think he's a great shout. Um, I totally back him. Joe Roo, yeah, I think we're just too full. I think the plane is full, unfortunately. <laughs> he can get a coach <laughs> if he's going to fund it himself. Um, but he isn't worth, I wouldn't complete, completely discount him. As discussed in our previous pod, he um, was averaging, he was he was doing pretty well at the start of the T20 tournament this summer. I would agree. Um, yeah, majority of Zach's squad. Yeah, I, I can't really speak to the third spinner too much because like, just my county knowledge isn't quite there, Zach. Uh, I've got a couple of out there shouts from the Under-19s World Cup this year. Oh, there we go. A couple of go very on. young spinners who both took 12 wickets for England. Uh, one is uh, Hamadullah Kadri, who actually moved to Kent from Derbyshire last winter. And he he's played a little bit of Bob Willis. He's not actually making it into their T20 team. So, I mean, it's very unlikely he'll, you know, make enough of an impression. But was he was really good. Mystery finger spinner. Bowled really well. Really economical. And the other one is... Uh, I mean, he's a bolt. I mean, he's an all-rounder. He's a spinning all-rounder. It's Lewis Goldsworthy, who is he's made it into the squads for a couple of Somerset games this year. He's 19. He's a Cornish lad. There's not many Cornish players who make it to you know county cricket. And he's for the under-19s again. He took a fifer in the plate final of the under-19 World Cup. Was really good in that. His batting's not been great, but he is more of a he bats at about five in one-day games for them. And T20s as well, so it's he supposedly he's a he's a batting all rounder, but hasn't really proved it with the bat. So I think he's a really interesting prospect for the future. And the the the, the disappointing thing, I mean, we're going to come on to the county game, but is that both of these players would have had lots of game time in the um in the Royal London One Day Cup if it had happened because of the fixture congestion with the hundred. Yeah. That's an interesting one, and I you know we'll come back to this in. A year's time if either of those make it Zach what a shout from you I'll say it now that I love that I, and maybe they will some injuries might see them in but you know look out for them um, you mentioned it there let's come on to the county game because as much great international cricket as there has been this summer than we've reflected on um, on this podcast they have managed to get a county season ahead uh, the Bob Willis trophies made at the county championship this year slightly reformatted uh, no one-day cup, as you just mentioned, and the Vitality, pla- uh, Vitality Blast, excuse me, uh, is going on as we speak. No hundred, no the hundred, the hundred hundred. I can't stand it. Um, <laughs> we'll get to talk about that next year. Um, Zach, you got a little roundup for us of you know what people should have been looking out for or looked out for this year. Yeah, so I mean, I think everyone, everyone's really enjoyed this tournament. I think. Um, Part of that is definitely because people were thinking that we weren't going to get any county cricket at all. Yep. So I think everyone's really enjoyed it. And it's been a it's been a real good showing of of how, you know, even the county game can be. Like after the first round of games, we had the bottom three teams from Div 2 last season all topping their groups. And we even had like towards the end, Worcestershire, you know, their, the yo-yo club between Div 1 and Div 2. They, they almost made it to the final. And Derbyshire, who were... They're pretty. I mean, I can't remember the last time they were in Div One. Uh, I can't remember the last time they had an England player either. I think it was Dominic Cork. But um, 
Yeah, so they were they were one win away. So it kind of shows the a bit of a more level playing field. I mean, the top two teams, the teams that have ended up in the final are the top two teams from last season's Div um, County Championship, Somerset and Essex. Obviously, as a Somerset fan, I've been very impressed with some of our performances. Um, I wanted to, I think uh, one of the main points that people have spoken about during this tournament has been the opportunity that younger players have had with the, because there's been no, there's been no overseas players during the tournament. And I think this has meant, this has meant more of an opportunity, especially from a Somerset point of view, because we had, we've often brought in an opener because we have a bit of an opener issue in, uh, in County Championship in all formats of the game. And this comes up, brings me on to my first key performer of the of the Bobolist Trophy, Tom Lamanby, who's a Somerset all-rounder, left armer, who he made his debut in the first round of games, and he's never opened the batting before, really, in any in any level, and is usually batting at four or five, and opened came in and opened the batting, and obviously opening the batting in county cricket, I mean, especially on Taunton pitches that aren't known for their uh, batting. <laughs> um, well, I mean, unless it's in a T20 game, uh, you know, it's, it, he, he's been really good. He's he started really well. He started really solidly. I was uh, he just looks really solid, and he ended up not getting too many scores, but in the, uh, he's hit ended up hitting two hundreds and carrying his bat in the second innings of the final game, in which Somerset only made one hundred ninety-three, and he hit one hundred three not out of those. Ooh. It was a really wickets were tumbling all around him, and he. I think he was on. It was on about twenty from about one hundred and twenty balls. Like it was a bit of a Joe Denley innings, but then he actually went on and got the beginnings. <laughs> uh, another player who, I mean, he had he's had one good innings was Jordan Cox, another England under nineteen World Cup player. He hit two hundred and thirty eight not out against Sussex, and he was one hundred and sixty nine not out overnight. And he was going round at the breakfast and telling all of the senior players at Kent, like Billings and Stevens, that he was going round to them one by one, saying, "I'm going to beat your best score. I'm going to beat your best score." <laughs> And he did. <laughs> he did beat their best scores. I mean, since then he's. I think he got a he got a pair in one of the games, and hasn't hit the heights. But if you, you're hitting a double a double hundred in your first season, it's pretty good going. He, he had to um he had to rest the next game because he took a selfie with a fan. Just didn't really think about it. You know, poor kids just made a double hundred, thinking yeah, I'm famous now, which, which he is arguably. And yeah, COVID regulations meant he had to set up the next game, which sucked really. There was a case in the Pakistan game that uh, Hafiz or one of them took a selfie with the player on, on the golf course and they had to get themselves rested. So that was a shame, but that was an unbelievable knock. Uh, yeah, and um, a Wisden writer said that he's the most confident cricketer they've ever spoken to. So that speaks to what Zach said. Uh, Zach, you got another point? Uh, well, no, it's just that Moeen Ali is out for six off of 13 balls. <laughs> that's the, the, the Moeen we've... That's we don't know we've... Love. We know and fear. That's the I predicted for each T20 innings, which didn't quite come to light. So you know, I've got it right this time. Unfortunately, who's in next? Uh, our man with a fresh haircut. Get in. Get in. Oh, he's had a twin. Has he? I've not seen any of the twins. game. I've not watched oh. the game today. I he's mean, looking good again. It's already noted down as a key talking point for the ODI series. We dedicate the first half an hour to his trim. It's beautiful. He's lost the hairband and. Oh, but it's very nice, yes. They've been popular this summer, the, the, the hairband. Um, I'll come on to the, the young player um, sort of thing you mentioned there, Zach, and Sussex. Um, I actually got to a game this year, press accreditation, yes, thank you. It was the old <laughs> Classic Coast as well against Hampshire. And it was a decent enough game, actually. Um, batsman looked horribly at Nick. Um, but we normally have Travis Head over as a middle-order batsman, David Visa, uh, again, couldn't make it for the first few games. And uh, their most recent game against Surrey, James Coles 
16 years and 157 days to become Sussex's youngest ever first team player. It's an outrageously young talent. Um, left arm spinner, middle order batsman, got Ben Folks with an absolute ripper that was doing the rounds on, on Twitter and Instagram, sort of pitched middle, hit top of off. Um, Jack Carson as well um, for Sussex, a 19-year-old spinner from Ireland, um, got his start ahead of Danny Briggs, interestingly, who's sort of been uh, left in the, the limited over squad for Sussex. Uh, he looked good. And then Delray Rawlins, I've got an England watch, who I interviewed, actually, interestingly, in February. Uh, I'm an unemployed journalist, if anyone would like to give me a job. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's 22, more of a batsman, but left arm spin as well. Uh, more of a limited overs player and great to see these guys getting some game time at proper Red Bull professional cricket. Yeah, um, I think that um, 16-year-old is one of the people, one of the few people to benefit from his GCSE exams uh, being cancelled. He's had time to <laughs> time to develop and get himself one because that was an absolute jaffer that bowled fast. Oh, it, oh. was, it was gorgeous and... At that age, I was bowling, you know, double bounce, yippy off spinners. And it, yeah, here Still he is in the now. oval. Thank <laughs> 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 <And> you, <keep that. laughs> um, we'll, we'll chat about the Vitality Blast um, in the next uh, podcast, uh, which should the group stages should be done uh, by next week. And we'll have a finals day on the 3rd of October, um, which will be a laugh. We'll, we'll reflect on that. What's the score at the minute, Zach, in, in, the, in the ODI? Oh, they uh, 182 for six with 11 overs left so we've got a long way to go that's <laughs> 10 over for the rest isn't it yeah just above 10 and over for the rest um, so, yeah. just to jump in real quick with a couple with a few of my standout picks in the county championship we're going to go two ends of the age spectrum here so we've got 21 year old um left arm spinner daniel moriarty um, for Surrey, yep. who had an extraordinary start to his career. So in the Bob Willis Trophy, which obviously we're talking about, he got 17 wickets, an average of 20 from two matches. And that included three fifers. So I think doing the maths, that's, you know, fifers in three of the four innings he bowled in with a best um, of six for 70, which is extraordinary. And what's exciting, especially for our discussion about the T20 squads, obviously too early to say for England, but in the Vitality Bars, he's got six wickets, um, at 16 from five matches with a really good economy rate of um, 5.9. So he's going under six and over in the Vitality Blast as well. Love that. One player who we can't forget to mention is Kent's Darren Stevens, <laughs> who, <laughs> absolute beast. He's a 44-year-old. He signed a contract extension two weeks ago for another year. And he got, he's got three five-wicket hauls in the summer. And he was honestly one of the most consistent bowlers of the competition this summer. Um, he can bat a bit as well. He is just absolute quality. And he, what I just love about him, he just looks like an old geezer you bump into at the pub, you know, cheering on England uh, in, a, in a World Cup game. Like he is just, he's archetypal, just old bloke playing cricket. And he's doing absolute bits at county level. So congratulations to him. Really inspiring there. And finally, I just want to point um, a classic Somerset gripe. It was um, it was James Hildreth's birthday on the 9th of September. And I just want to point out to the England selectors that he has over 17,000 first class runs. He has a first class average of 42, a top score of 303 and 46 first class hundreds. Where- <laughs> Well, this is becoming, I, I this is becoming dangerously a Somerset podcast, so I'm just going to sit yeah. on, try <laughs> and say, I don't care. He wasn't <laughs> enough. Um, one, 
Yeah, I mean, one thing about the Bob Willis Trophy final, I want to hear your predictions on uh, who's going to win the final. And Well, I don't actually. I want to hear what you think would be more Somerset. Them finishing second in a new trophy, because, you know, they love finishing second, <laughs> or the one year it's not the county championship, they actually win it. Oh, Which would be more Somerset? I think it's the latter, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm going to say it gets rained off totally. I yeah, feel this, guys, you guys suffer. Oh, you know, Sussex are, are rubbish. I get nothing. I get a T20 comp. That's it. <laughs> Respect the championship. And you, you should be up loving life in your second place. Well, um, yeah, that's one of that's one of the things. So if if the game is tough, if the game is drawn, there's uh, it's on who got the most in their first innings. If the first innings isn't completed, then they don't go. They don't go on who did better in the group stage, which, would you know, be the logical thing. Yeah. No, no bias intended. Uh, uh, they actually just share the trophy. Oh, let's hope they get past at least the first innings cool. just to give them, uh, you know, an idea. When does that start? That's that's got to be soon. It's, 20, it's the 23rd of September. Oh, that's a while away. Yeah. Anything could happen between now and then. Yeah. Um, have you, I'm not sure if you guys have heard about the potential for next year's county county tournament. No, there's there's well, there's talk about them continuing this format with with kind of less being known about what what the situation in the country might be next year. No one really knows what's going to be happening. So the idea is to maybe keep which is to keep the three groups format. But there's one idea I've heard that is to change the groups. So it's like they do seedings on how well you did in the county championship last season. So like the top six would be in one group. So that would be like Somerset, Essex, Yorkshire. And then there's the middle six that are. You know, like the teams that went down and the teams that went up. And then there's the bottom six, which, you know, it'd be like Sussex and Derbyshire <laughs> and you know, Leicestershire. <laughs> but, but then apparently it might be that then all of those teams can still make it to a Lord's final. And they have this super September thing where it sounds extremely confusing and it ends up with the amount. Because the idea of this is you have less games. So we have less games to squeeze in. Mm-hmm. That's the idea with the three groups. But this new format would mean you have the same amount of games. But there's just some weird playoff system. Yeah, I know. I mean, for me, I think, I don't know. I, I'm interested to hear you got your guys' opinion on this. For me, I like the format as it is. And if they want to keep the three-group format, they keep it regionalised, but they just make it semi-finals. So it's the top three group winner, the, the three-group winners and the best-placed second-place team. I like that as a solution because I have enjoyed what they've done this year. I think they could really use something from this year because, I don't know, they, they were talking about reforming it and Division One, and Division Two's worked to an extent, but... You know, I think this has been a real good freshen up for it. And I don't know what they're sniffing at the ECB, but that idea of changing it, but keeping the same amount of games in the Super September, we've got to deal with this hundred thing to start. And I can't wait till that starts because this podcast is going to kick off. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I've enjoyed this little this little format. And I like the teams that Sussex play, because if (laughs) if we do end up in this bottom tier of six, we are going to be playing some dross. And I like seeing Essex come to um, home every now and again. Well, that's, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like in that bottom six, t- like if they were, because if they did it like that, I mean, everyone's playing for something. But if they were to do it in a kind of, if we separate it out to three leagues, because there's a lot of talk about a lot of the teams don't want to, like the smaller counties, they don't really even want to be playing county cricket that much because they don't get anything from it. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, a, they just lose money from playing the four-day formats. You could see teams like Leicestershire or Derbyshire or, I mean, less or so Sussex, but they could just drop off completely. I yeah. think it would, I think it would really hamper them. Glenn? 
Yeah, I just think the new format they're discussing sounds like the Cricket's Nations League. I just can't make head nor tail <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah. There's going to be playoffs for the playoffs, and the top place playoff team get into the second playoffs. It just sounds <laughs> a little bit bizarre and overly complex. But I agree with both of you. I love what they've done this year. I think they made the best out of a really bad situation. And I think it really is, you know, testament, again, to the touring teams that came over. But for the players who have, for the county players who, you know, put in, put in a lot on the line to play... Um, and we saw Butler take a break from the 30-20 because he wanted to spend some time with his family. Um, so you can you can feel that a lot of the players must be missing their close ones, probably haven't seen parents, grandparents in a long time. So, yeah, you know, fair enough. I think they did the county championship really well. I'm looking forward to uh, to sharing the trophy in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, I think sharing would be the funniest thing. I'll, I'll up to that. The I'll COVID be, trophy. Do a big, do a big rain dance uh, the week before <laughs> the week of that game. Just to see you two suffer, basically. Just stop the Somerset loving do we've they, got. Do they cut up. it in half? I reckon if they cut it in half. And do... <laughs> Get one of Bob Willis' books and just chop it in half or something. <laughs> Let's have a quick look at uh, Tweet of the Week, uh, I think, before we, we round off this one. Uh, mine, I don't know if you've got any. I've got one off the bat. Um, it, it's a tweet highlighting a point from the game. Well, I guess all tweets are. Um, and it is that appeal for LBW. Um, it, a guy called Andy, he works for Football London, I think. And he just tweeted, the greatest LBW review of all time. Nice and simple. With just the um, the zoom in of, of I think it was Finch. Yep. Um, bat next to pad and, and Snicko going mad because the balls hit the face of the bat. For me, that's the highlight of the summer so far. If something beats that, oh, I can't wait for it, quite frankly. I think that I think that appeal broke Snicko. I don't think it's designed for, a hit for hitting the middle of the bat. I don't think he knew what to do. Um, <laughs> Zach, you've got a quiz for us? Yeah, right? I've, got, I've got a little quiz. I mean, it's been something I've been kind of researching around i mean it's, i've not made the quiz well thank i mean i'm not sure sporkle for that um but so i want you guys to name this there's 16 i think 16 players who've hit a century in all three formats of the game oh wow yeah should we see if we can name a few up, i've been looking up who because there's a lot of players who are very close is this for england no, 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 no. Across all formats, there is one England player on there, but it's, I mean, I'm going to I'll give this one away. Uh, it's, it's, it's Heather Knight. Heather Knight's the only England player to get there. No English men's player has actually wow. hit a century. Oh, that's a great this, this that's is why a great I've been, stat. yeah, this is why I've been looking up this because, you know, there's a lot of players who've hit centuries in two formats. Uh, well, obviously Butler, Morgan, Milan. Collingwood is going to be my guest for the England player initially. Um, yeah. But you didn't get a T20 one, obviously. No, well, that, that's the thing, is that Joss Butler, no T20 100. Owen Morgan, no T20 100. Darren Milan, no ODI 100, which you would say is probably the easiest one to get. Yeah. Alex, Alex Hales, um, no... No test, right? No test 100, but got very close. Yeah, he must have a 90 or an 80 in yeah, there. Yeah, he's got a 90. So, yeah, there's 16 names. <sighs> Gale, Chris, Chris Gale. Chris Gale, yeah, that's top Steve of the list. Smith? I was saying that in. Steve Smith, no T20 hundred, I don't think. Um, Sankara? No, but there are two Sri Lankans on there. Jai No. Matthew. Close. No. Jai Wardner. Jai Wardner, yeah. Jai Wardner, nice. He's got a T20 hundred. I like that. Give me some nationalities. Okay, so we've got... India must be. There's two New Zealanders. Oh, Kane Williamson? Three, three Indians. No, Kane Williamson's not on there. Oh, three McCullough. Indians. 
McCullum's on there, yep. Uh, we've got uh, yeah, Guptill's the other. So that's the two New Zealanders. You've got another Sri Lankan, one South African, three Indians. Uh, I think it's only two Aust- no three Australians. Two two of them are playing right now. Oh, Warner. Yeah, Warner. Oh, that's a good one. I don't think Finch. I don't think he's got a Test hundred. No. Maxwell. Uh, Maxwell, yeah. Hey. Hey. Was, there you go. I was shocked when I found this out. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Bangladeshi on there. He was re- recently he uh, he joined this list, and there's an Irishman who I mean you'll all, you'll be able to guess when I tell you there's an Irishman on there. He's O'Brien. The edition, yeah, the most recent addition to the list, Kevin O'Brien. Yeah. Was that uh, when he got, the test, he got the test hundred against? That was the recent one for O'Brien, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, so there's there's a Bangladeshi left. You've still got an Australian to name. Gilchrist. No, I think Gilchrist wouldn't have got a T20 hundred. Enough T20s. I think that's the that's the interesting thing with this list because of T20. They're all pretty recent. You know, they're players who are either playing now or are very recently retired. I feel like the T20 one's the hardest to get. Let's let's go for the Indians. Um, uh, Saywag. No. No T20s on him, surely. Did you get Kohli? Uh, Did I say Kohli, Isaac? Like? No, Kohli's not on there, which I, oh, I was shocked by. He have a T20 I-100. MS Dhoni. No, again, I think because he, he bats so low down. Low down. He's not going to get a T20, is he? Oh, oh, Sharma. Yes, Rohit Sharma. Rohit Sharma. Nice. Good shout. Uh, um, I know, I can't, remember, I can't remember his name. Bangladesh, um, the, the all-rounder who did absolute bits in the World Shaki. Cup. No. No. It's the Bangladesh opener. Oh, Tammy Mikbao. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tammy oh, Mikbao. I should have got that. I think I've seen yeah. him a couple of times. Should, should I give you the rest of the list? Yeah, go on. Okay, I'm so the other, Indian, the other Indians are KL Rahul and Suresh Raina. Ooh, Rahul? Yeah, Rahul, I was very Wouldn't surprised. Guess that? Yeah, the, uh, the Pakistani is Ahmed Shazad. Mm-hmm. The South African is Faf Duplessis. Ooh, <laughs> I, got, I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't, that. I wouldn't have even thought of him. No, uh, and the other Australian is Shane Watson. Oh yeah, would never. He, in a, yeah, nah, he's, he's classic, quality, you know. but I wouldn't have got it. No, yeah. it's classic. He seems, bro. he seems like the most obvious one now. You said it, but I was never oh. thinking of him because think about his front pad just getting getting in the way. Catch. Yeah, <laughs> he's That's got a so hundred off his front pad. <laughs> so no England player, no England player yet. No, uh, no male England player yet. Sorry, Heather yeah. Knight has. Who's close then? So Milan, you said... Milan's close because he doesn't have the ODI. I'm not sure. I think he could do. I, th- I think Joe Root is under a bit of pressure in the ODI team because of... I, I, I think it's because of him being dropped from the T20 side. I think he could be under a bit of pressure. I don't think he should be under pressure. But That's where Milan would come in, though, at three, nicely. Well, exactly. And I think the ODI out of the three is the easiest one to get 100 and You've got enough time and you don't have a red ball moving around. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Other than that, Morgan Morgan doesn't have a T twenty hundred and neither does Butler. So those two Butler That's if he if he opens the batting for the next terrible. five years, if Butler opens <laughs> the batting for the next five years in in T twenty cricket, surely he gets the he gets the T twenty hundred. Owen Morgan, because he comes in at four, you, you know, the T twenty hundred is open. I can't believe that that no he can get that in his well, he's only got a few years left. I'm surprised he had a test hundred in that um short sort of what did he have? Fifteen tests, maybe. Yeah, I. Th- this was the weird thing is seeing all of these players that have test hundreds, but 
I wouldn't even imagine, like, you wouldn't even think about as test players as yeah. ever playing test matches. And it's it's a vague memory from watching the the Edge documentary where Owen Morgan's, a young Owen Morgan's there <laughs> in the celebrations when he <laughs> beat Australia in Australia. Five, what, six maybe? maybe wait, 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 I think he was just in the squad because of how good that <laughs> team was. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I like that. That's got my brain thinking. Is that a good sport? There's a uh, there's a few good cricket quizzes on there. The cricket to tweet them out every now and again. They're they're wisdom, worth a go. Wisdom as well. Wisdom post them quite wisdom's a lot. That's great. I like that. Keep keep the cricket brain ticking. Um. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode, boys. A real deep dive into the world of cricket today, and I, I love that. Some really good stuff. We've had all the T20s this year. I think we've got a real good grasp actually of what's what what England are looking forward to squad wise. 11 wise is a conversation for a, a different day we will be reviewing the one day series um get you one day squads ready boys uh whenever that ends which is going to be what they're going to do next it every week? two days again next with sort of this time next week maybe maybe the wednesday 16th to end oh, wow wednesday really cramming it in so that'll be the last international game of the summer um and england uh, need 10 overs still from eight overs by the look of it yeah, that's um, it that's exactly we'll, it we'll get to review that next week uh, we'll chat about the Vitality Blast as well. Uh, don't forget, give us a follow on Twitter at CalCorner8. Get involved in our Fantasy League and win yourself um, a 100 shirt. Not of your choosing. Um, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you very much for joining us again. Thank you. And Glenn, as always, enjoy the rest of your day out in Wyoming. Uh, put a coat on. I will. I've got my coat on inside at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Cal Corner. Uh, we'll see you next week for episode nine. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.